arising from the trees to deliver destruction, not of buildings, but of our hearts. It's a monster calls. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. That was perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves, where two friends try to stay alive, keep our faces and our tears wiped away, and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, we are discussing A Monster Ooh. Calls. With me today is... Uh, uh, there's nothing really funny to call you about this film, mm. Alex. So, Alex is with yeah, me today. Yeah, joined by the soon-to-be-departed Eric. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to stay alive my best over I here, know, man. I know, I know. You better watch out for that stick they monster. Were trying, they were trying their best, too, in this movie, but Ugh. it just didn't work out. Yeah. Should have used more of that tree yeah. bark or whatever. Uh, needed to believe just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, that tree lied a bit, a lot, didn't he? Oh man. All right, man. Well, yeah. Like like the other films in this series, I think there's enough to talk about here. We just need to jump in. You ready? I'm ready to dive in. J. A. Bayona's A Monster Calls relies on imagination. In fact, in the world of these characters, the monster of the movie doesn't exist, except allegorically that is hmm? like most of these other standalones alex we haven't watched anything quite like a monster calls but while watching it i kind of thought the entire time that i would know your opinion about it so oh. i'm really curious to get us started and to get your opinion does a monster calls keep you enthralled or was your own imagination stalled oh i mean all right, my attention was definitely kept, and I was invested. So yeah, I guess enthralled might be the right word, but I don't. My my imagination wasn't stalled by any means, and there's lots of elements here that I really enjoyed, and I think overall, I do care about the story that's being told here, mm-hmm. and I like that it doesn't take an easy way out at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. Really, though, this is just a movie about the five stages of grief that is somewhat by the numbers, but it uses a genre that makes it feel a bit more unique. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Eric? Well, I'll tell you what I thought about what you would think about this film. (laughs) And that is, I was like, Alex would never watch this movie if we weren't reviewing it for our podcast. Right, we make fun of me. We make fun of me. Quote: I don't like comedies. Right? Yeah, I'm the guy that doesn't like comedies, apparently. But you're the guy that like avoids serious films, right? <laughs> or a film no. that would be too. Yes, yes. You have, you avoid. This is the type of film that you av- avoid at all costs. The only reason that you would watch this film is not. It's not that you would dislike it like you would actually i think appreciate lots of aspects of it 
but you wouldn't actively go and watch this film unless someone made you, which is this podcast made you. I, you know, kind of. I kind of wanted to see it when it came out because uh-huh. I saw, you know, the monster's voice by Liam Neeson. Uh-huh. I saw, <laughs> no, but really, I saw that it had a monster in it. I was like, what's going on here? But at the end of the day, you know, Eric, you're not too wrong that I didn't end up going to see it. So maybe you're on to something. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but as for me, Alex, I'm definitely of mixed opinions on A Monster Calls. Um, and that's primarily because it is one beat the whole movie, and that beat is a downer. Uh, sure, yeah. the monster, which I don't believe has a name besides the monster, offers a few lighthearted moments. But whew, if you aren't ready for this movie, it's going to feel <laughs> like a smack across the face. On the same hand, though, I, I'm not saying that this film is emotionally manipulative. Oh. Oh, wow. Those words. Yeah, I'm not saying that. Which, okay. you, if you've listened to our show, you know, like, that's a that's a no-no for me, right? I was waiting. I, honestly, I was watching this going, is Eric going to say, is it mono- emotionally manipulative no, because or not? here's why. Here's why. It isn't manipulative. Because you know what is coming. It's not trying uh-huh. to toy with you, right? It's not trying to toy with your emotions or trick you into emotions. It knows it's going to be depressing. And so it just goes for it and it accomplishes it. This is a coming-of-age film, but it's a film about grief and loss primarily. You mentioned the five stages of grief. You're right. But when you're dealing with these heavy topics directly, you you kind of know what to expect. You're not being manipulated at that point. Right, right. And I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I actually thought you would settle on it not being emotionally manipulative because, like you said, I mean, it's, yeah. per, it's pervasive throughout the entire film. Yeah, exactly. Um. And, and honestly, that's also where I think kind of where some of my gripes come in. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you know, everyone is kind of going to work it out, right? Yeah. You hope the mom makes it, but you also know she won't because we're sad halfway through this movie. It's not going to change mm-hmm. again. It's the genre uniqueness that I think elevates the film from being completely by the numbers. And you wonder a bit too about the tree man's or like uh, motivation and origin, and you know if he's real or not. Um, I think some of these elements do make the work make the film work better, and I think it also helps it keep its pace up because every time that monster shows up, mm-hmm. your attention is held. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every time you're seeing a watercolored story. Your attention is held. Mm-hmm. And I really like these elements, right? There, there, there's some really cool things going on here in a in a story that is somewhat generic mm-hmm. in its overall plot points. Yeah. But I pre I, but that's not really I'm not talking down about it in terms of it's generic. I love generic films <laughs> a lot of the times, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I appreciated they injected the film with, you know, a little personality, Yeah, quite frankly. And I love this tree man, this monster, mm. and the things he has to say and the wisdom that he gives is very interesting. And it's not like his first story in particular. It's one that's pretty, it's really interesting, yeah. right? There are no good or bad guys. Yeah. It's just... It's almost all about perception, mm-hmm. and I the story the first two stories in particular yeah. 
are very effective. For sure. And I really like what it's doing. Now, we'll t- we can maybe talk about the third story later. Right. So, yeah, uh, I'll just pick up right where you left off. I, I think okay. the, the story within the story elements were very interesting. I think the film cheats a little with the third one, right? Because <laughs> it's so weak. Yeah, you're you're expecting three stories told in the same style, and then like Connor's story is the third story, but it doesn't make sense to be the third story. No, no, the third the third story is uh, the is the one about being invisible, right? Where he he's standing over his shoulder in the lunchroom, and he tells him. About the Invisible Man. That's the third story. Right. And, but it's like he's like embodying he's like embodying this story. But it's like a sentence. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yes. <laughs> right? Like he's it's the, like literally, yes. Instead of going to our unique style again, it's like they ran out of budget for the watercolors. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It <laughs> they was. ran out of budget for the watercolors and they're just like, Well, we'll just fit it in with this uh Three is a better number than two, so <laughs> right. Have a third story, and um, Liam already recorded his parts, so I guess we'll just stick with three, and it'll just be this sentence, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean that's what it feels like, right? Because even that story is very deep, and the lesson that Connor kind of learns uh-huh. is interesting. You know, becoming more invisible because you're mad that you're invisible, right? Um, is really interesting, but man, I was really looking forward to that third story yeah, <laughs> being presented like the other yeah. two. Yeah, I actually was, you know, so I'm, glad you you like that part. I'm glad you like those story parts though, because the first story about the prince is particularly good, I think. And I yes. like um, I, that, that watercolor style. And the moral, it just fits perfectly into the rest of this, this film. That You already mentioned it. This, the sort of idea that there isn't really a bad character. There are certainly characters that make bad choices and do great evil. The monster says that, right? Mm-hmm. But no characters are bad to the core. The film resists that in its narrative, with the possible exception of the bully character, right? Um, <laughs> but think about the two characters in the film that in most films would be portrayed as negative, which is the absent father and Mm -hmm. the grandmother, right? Yep. Before you meet the father, at least this is how I felt, Alex. I assume that the father is going to be some kind of scumbag who left his son behind for no good reason whatsoever. But that really isn't the case at all, it turns out. As we learn Mm -hmm. more about him and his situation, it actually turns out he's a pretty like empathetic and loving father who wants the best for his son and is portrayed really well in the movie, right? And then with the grandmother, we first see her as this intruder character. But as the film progresses, I think we see more and more into her as a co-griever in this entire scenario. A character that honestly, Alex, might have the most to grieve about out of anyone. Um, oh, absolutely. Geez, I mean, it's just that would be such a difficult situation um, because you're not grieving just for the people that you've lost. You're grieving for yourself and you're grieving for the other people that you love that are affected by the grief. That's that's probably the most difficult position to be in. Right. Um, and so she's dealing with all this and trying trying 
from her perspective to do what's best for her family um which is just incredibly mm-hmm. difficult you see her as an intruder but then you build that empathy around her as the film progresses, and as she's not portrayed as a bad guy she's she's portrayed as another human being that has real emotions yeah exactly and they really lean into this element and non in ways that don't beat you over the head um like they'll show her house and they'll show pictures of her with her daughter mm-hmm. and when they're young like, it'll just be pictures while while uh connor's walking around the house and we'll we'll see these little pictures and immediately you're you're reminded this isn't just this kid's grandmother this is the this is a mom whose daughter is dying, mm. right? And this daughter was a kid, was her, a little kid at one point. And so when you see these elements, you're like, man, like you do start to connect with the grandmother. And you're like, that's right. You are losing somebody very important to you as well. Um, whereas, like you said, a, a lot of films would would make the grandmother bad, right? Yeah. Like she would be the one that that was mean to the mean to the daughter. They never had a good relationship and they just don't connect. <laughs> right. Um but but I think earlier on they I like that they make her a character with a lot of strong character. Mm. And what I mean is like, you know, when Connor destroys her house, she doesn't take it out on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she just walks away. I think it's because I think it's incredibly. If sad. she does react, oh, it's going to be bad. It's sad. It, oh, you know, it is sad. sad moment. But I think it's an incredibly realistic moment for a character that cares, right? And a character that is mindful. Yes. She could obviously lose. She could lose her. You know what? At, in that moment, and she feels that internally. Like you, you can sense it. Like she feels it. Yes. But she's not going to say anything. She knows it's... What's the point? That's that's something else that has that comes up in this film multiple times is, you know, what's the point of adding punishment <laughs> in this scenario? Right. There is no point to that um, because the punishment's already been had, right, in, in a sense. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I like that, they, you know, this is something kind that people are kind of mm-hmm. doing. But in Connor's mind, it's as as the the lame third story says, it's turning him invisible. Mm-hmm. He thinks, and it's really just a misunderstanding of where everybody else is coming from. Um, which you know, it, it's just uh, it just kind of goes back to that whole grieving process, anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, is this a, is this a movie about the the five stages of grief, Eric, or what, what's got what's going on here? Ah. I mean, yes, <laughs> uh, but yeah, honestly, I think this film is a bit all over the place thematically, um, and it's because we've got this wise monster character, which is interesting in itself to have a wise, our, our like wise guide is this monster, which is cool, right? Um, and empowering, I guess, for Connor as a character, but honestly, some of the ideas are all over the place. There's some interesting ideas about belief when, you know, I'm playing with this idea of belief and cure. Um, and you have to believe. I, I find that in that second tale, the second watercolor story, I like that part 
at the end between the parson and the apothecary where the apothecary asks, uh, would you give up what you believed if I could heal your daughters? And he says, I'd give up anything. And then she says, well, then I can't help you, right? Um, there's mm. something... I found that an intriguing sort of back and forth, right? It's not necessarily that the belief is going to um, heal heal the parson's daughter in the story, but the, ple- the, the belief is what's keeping the family together no matter what, in a sense. So I don't know. There, there's something interesting mm. there. I, I haven't fully fleshed out that idea, but I'd like to explore that. A bit more, but there's there's a time going on. I'm not sure if it's all coherent. <laughs> I have to watch it a second time uh, to tell. But yeah, um, it's a mature movie. I thought about watching this with Theo uh, because I was like, oh yeah, this is a movie about a kid and um, growing up, and there's a monster <laughs> in it. I, I don't I don't think he would have loved this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being honest. I, I agree. I, I don't really think this is much of a kids movie. Uh, I think most kids will be bored by this and probably a little depressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. So yeah. ultimately, I was glad I didn't have him watch it. But yeah, I mean, in the future, maybe in the future. But for now, I think he's okay with his eight year old self. Envian <laughs> uh, Plus today, before we get to our awards, Alex, we do kind of a. Uh, what I'll call film review roulette speed dating style, um, where you review seven of uh, films that you've watched in about the last two weeks um, in a very quick manner. So it's a quick hitting episode. Uh, I enjoy it. We cover everything from the new Spider-Man film across the Spider-Verse to Transformers to a couple other surprises that I'll let you listen to on the show. That's patreon.com <laughs> forward slash MVM pod, where you can become a bargain base mite. That is patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. Let's get into our awards though, Alex compelling character who you got. Yeah, for me, I've got the, uh, I'll give it to the, to, to the mom, you know, what is it that gives us mom special abilities to make this monster tree appear? You know, yeah. I, I mentioned earlier uh, that I do appreciate the somewhat vague nature of this thing. Clearly, it's not real, as most people can't see it. Mm-hmm. But there is another element there where the mom sees it. Yeah. Um, as well, and then at the end of the film, it's revealed that she drew this thing a long time ago. Yeah. Um. I like that. I like that ending. By the way, that poignant of him flipping through the book and stuff. Oh yeah, um, very cool. Uh, but uh, you know, I want to know. Like, does, does this lady have mystical powers? Does she have invisible friends that just stick around mm. and haunt her children? Yeah. Um, what's what's going on here? So, shout out to mystical mom. <laughs> what about yeah, you? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm with you. I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, it could be a number of things. Yeah. And I think ultimately whether or not it's a real monster or not doesn't matter too much in the story, but yeah, it is, it is interesting for me. I already mentioned the character that I think is really interesting and that's the grandmother. Uh, she's, she is very nuanced mm-hmm. and I love that moment where she doesn't say anything 
Um, it just feels so real. Uh, so kudos to that writing team that, that decided to make that choice. Cause that, that was an incredibly real moment. Uh, I mean, it doesn't hurt that she's played by Sigourney Weaver, right? That's, that's a good right. uh, choice. Um, but yeah, I, I think the grandmother is a compelling character. Um, and as I said earlier, she though, really I thought is. the father actually was another character that I was surprised at how compelling that character was as well. Um, so there are a couple to choose from and not to mention Connor, our main character as well. But those side characters had more depth than you might think uh, in a movie like this. So I was appreciative of that. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. She's yeah, really good. Um, what about your uh, favorite line yeah. or sorry, your uh, most memorable yeah. line award? Uh, so mine came from the mom. And this was another moment just of grace that I liked. So with the grandmother's moment of grace was not saying anything. The mom's moment of grace was saying this to Connor. One day, if you look back and you feel bad for being so angry, you couldn't even speak to me. You have to know that that was okay. That I knew because I know everything you need to tell me without you having to say it out loud. Right. Um, that, yeah. uh, I mean, that was a good moment. <laughs> I mean, like, there, there's where the Kleenexes yeah. are coming out, right? Like, but it's, it's true. And that that's just like a great motherly moment. And like, this is not a, a, a movie that's shying away from just showing some of the good aspects of humanity, the beautiful aspects of humanity, um, despite the grief. And like that, that's real. Um and that, but like the emotion, mm-hmm. the anger that he feels that she's talking about is also real. And like you, it is something that you could easily see him looking back and just being mad about um, that he didn't say more and he didn't do more. And she's giving him that permission, which is which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. What about you? Mine is from the monster. Mm. You know, Connor's kind of. I guess laughing almost at the idea of stories having any impact on somebody. Oh, yeah. And he says, uh, stories are wild animals. If you let them loose, who knows what havoc they may wreck. Oh, yeah. Or, it's re- awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, I thought that was a, just a, a cool line. Yeah, it's, for yeah, sure. It's true. Um, what about your Can't Believe That Acting Award? I had to give it to uh, Sigourney Weaver as yeah. the grandma. She's yeah. so good. What a man. What a phenomenal actress. Yeah. Like, I know we talked about it before, but she really is just <laughs> remarkably impressive. Yeah, we might have mentioned her once or twice on this show before. I kept expecting a, <laughs> a, a creature to pop out at some point, but just didn't happen. Oh, uh, yeah. What a shame. Uh, that would have been a nice little ending there. <laughs> He goes downstairs and he sees that little thing scurrying off. Uh-huh. All right, Eric, uh, what about your Can't Believe That Acting Award? Mine has to go to uh, the actor that plays Connor, Lewis McDougal. I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got a kid actor here who really is able to convey a lot. Um, it's not easy, I'm sure, to play to do this film where you have to be depressed the whole time. Uh, lots of times we talk about how uh, we, we praise dynamic performances that have to cover lots of different emotions. It's not that this character had to cover a lot of different emotions, but they had to be consistent in their emotions. And, and that's what Lewis McDougal 
uh, brings to the table with his performance uh, mm-hmm. is c- incredibly consistent and incredibly realistic. It's not a performance where I'm ever thinking once about the fact that this character is acting. That's always impressive when you can do that. And right. so it is especially impressive in a film like this with a young actor like he is. So that's incredibly Im- impressive to me. Hard to do whenever you're interacting with CGI characters as well. So very impressive from Lewis McDougal as Connor. Yeah, absolutely. What a great job. What a great yeah, job. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's hard. Like, the CGI character thing, I didn't even think about really until right now, which is, again, a testament to his performance, right? Right. Right. Absolutely. What about, um, your, oh, that, what about your Oh, That's a Good Shot award? Uh, you know, I, I, I have to give it to this one because they didn't give us a third, third star, a third story yeah. illustrated with watercolor for this moment. Yeah. And that's him running towards the kid, yeah, um, with all the tables flying. Mm. Uh, but it's it's a, it's actually there's a good shot from him from the front, but it's really the side shot while he's just running that long distance to go mm. hit this kid. Uh, I have to give it to that because um, they didn't give us a third story, so they decided to do that. So there you go. Shout out to you, flying <laughs> table. Um, Eric, what about you? Well, mine is similar, and it's. There's a couple shots like this, but I think it is during that third story, actually, where the one that's standing out to me right now uh, is. And it's where the shadow comes over the top of Connor's shadow and it becomes Connor's shadow. Yeah. Uh, is really cool. Uh, they do a lot of interesting things with shadows here, but that one where it's like comes straight over the top of Connor is especially cool as it seems like this sort of aspect or the shadow self of Connor um, that, that he's tapping into. So that, that was a great shot. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool one. Um, Eric. Yeah. What, what's your unique award? Unique award. So you mentioned him briefly, but I didn't talk about him yet. It's the most underappreciated aspect of this film, at least to me, uh, is Liam Neeson's voicing of the monster. What a great voice. Mm. What a great voice, Alex. What a great voice. Uh, could have been your yeah. most... Uh, can't believe that acting award, but the voice is great here. Liam Neeson does a fantastic job voicing the monster. Yeah, he yeah. really does. Mm. What about you? It's peak Liam Neeson. Uh, yeah, mine goes. My, mine's just mine's just the best story award, and of the four stories, because we do get four, mm-hmm. I would say my favorite is that first yeah. story. And I already kind of I've already talked about it a bit, but the man. I could have just sat in a movie with all stories like this, yeah. first off. But um, I just love that that first story, it you know, it ends and Connor has jumps to that conclusion. And, it's, uh, and I, even while I was watching it, I was like, no, Connor, uh-uh, that's not what happened. <laughs> and I just love like what the moral of the story is. It's like, you know, it's a lot of assumptions it's uh how people view each other it's just it's so much packed into that very brief story it's just so cool and wonderfully animated yeah i love how the story just plays with assumptions right um in presenting and framing this the story in a certain way uh, it plays with those assumptions so yeah that that that's really cool mm-hmm. um no that, that was my favorite story too the second story was good as well but I wanted a third story because I was really enjoying those first two and we just got shafted on that third one, but it's all good. Uh, all right, Alex, final thoughts and tiered rating. I'll go ahead and go 
okay. I think this is a solid film. Uh, I think it is a bit one beat for me. Um, we've sung mostly praises, uh, I think, actually, in our conversation and in our awards. But I do want to go back to that criticism that I had, which it is uh, one beat, and that one beat is a downer. I think there you could add a bit more nuance by adding a bit more levity at times in this movie. Um, not that it needs a ton. I'm not looking to be emotionally manipulative, manipulated, as I said before. But um, I do think you're going to turn a lot of viewers away by being so downer all the time. Not that you can't be sad uh, in a movie for sure, Alex. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like the stories. I think we get a little bit shafted in the third. And the fourth makes sense to me um, to an extent. But um, I also think thematically the film has things it wants to say. I don't know if it says it all coherently. But again, interesting aspects throughout. Um, not a film that I plan on revisiting anytime soon. Um, but maybe someday, maybe someday, um, if one of the kids is interested, we'll, we'll just have to see. So this is a solid gamma tier, kind of right in the middle gamma tier mm. film for me. Yeah. What yeah. You Same for me that right, right in the middle gamma tier is a solid film. Uh, there's not a whole lot to criticize about it other than like you said, it, I, I agree with you. It's kind of that one note nature of it a little bit of some of it's a little beat by beat. But again, I think I've said it like five times now, but that, you know, injecting that monster layer uh, into it with the, the additional stories that are told via the monster mm-hmm. um, are really great additions to to the film. And it would be a lot less without it. Um, we also have some really great characters here. Grandmother, mom are really great. Connor is actually probably one of the least interesting characters mm-hmm. um, from a personality perspective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we don't see a lot to... We, we, we feel his sadness and we understand it because I'm sure a lot of us have seen True. stuff like this happen in our real lives. But Connor himself isn't much of a character Yeah. Um, in terms of what we know about him. We don't see happy Connor. We don't know like what's beneath, really. Yeah. Um, other than he's sad. So, yeah, I would have appreciated a little more of you know what he's like when he's not like this, mm. just to ground him a little more in my mind. It made me, it honestly, it just made me feel even sadder for him. Yeah. But other than that, man, it's solid. Like you said, I'm not going to be rewatching this probably, but. I can definitely recommend it to anyone who's looking for a zombie film that's just doing things, or not zombie, golly, (laughs) a monster movie that's uh, doing things just a little differently. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it, man. Next week, we will do our recap episode uh, of this series. Um, Yeah, we've got about, how many films have been in this series? About six to eight films um, that we are uh, going to recap and kind of talk about, do some compare and contrast, maybe do some rankings, uh, maybe go back and revisit and compare these films to our first 21st century monster film, standalone monster film series. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a lot of fun next week as we kind of recap and close off this series and look ahead 
to our next one. Any final thoughts, Alex? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to the recap. Uh, I'll make sure to tap. Uh. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's do it, Alex. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> profound, profound. Final thoughts from Alex. I'm looking forward to next week. Yeah, it's gonna be. As always, <laughs> thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on this episode at mvmpod.com or email us at mvmpod at gmail.com and we'll read them on the show. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. Become a bargain base by patreon.com forward slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus content. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producer are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which formed Cell Block B, Louie Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, Instagram Connector, and you, as always, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't forget to also look forward to next week. <laughs> and try to stay alive. Created a monster and it will destroy you. Come on, trying, they were trying their best too in this movie, but Ugh. it just didn't work out. Yeah, should have used more of that tree yeah. bark or whatever. <laughs>